Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Woven in Truth podcast. I am Mallory Melcher-Post, your host today. And thank you so much for hanging out with us. I am so excited about our episode today. I have a very special guest, Lauren Malcolm. Lauren, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast for this episode. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be here. The minute I heard you, we don't know each other super personally, but when I heard you speak on a seminar, I immediately Facebook stalked you and said, <laughs> I I was like I have to see if she would join me Um, because I just think everything you shared was so helpful and relevant and I can't wait to share you with the listeners as well so thank you again Um, I'm excited about what we're talking about Um, I really you know we're gonna talk about active listening today and I really believe that this is so meaningful because it is like love in action it's powerful it's healing you know and um, I love this Brene Brown quote it says be as passionate about listening as you are about wanting to be heard and that one just comes through my throat you know what I mean because I feel like all I want to do is be heard um and as disciples we're learners so a lot of that involves listening so I can't wait to hear more and hear your thoughts on this but first I'd love to hear a little bit more about you so could you could you introduce yourself a little bit to our listeners Sure. Yes. Um, So my husband and I uh, lead our church in State College, Pennsylvania, which is where Penn State University is. And we've been there now for eight years, which is crazy. Uh, We have three children. We have a seven-year-old named Rory, who you'll hear about in my lesson a little bit. We have a five-year-old named Luke and a three-year-old named Jordan. And we also have a mini golden doodle named Miley. She's our fourth child. Um, <laughs> Your fur baby. Our fur baby. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So we, um, I grew up mostly in Los Angeles, although I moved around quite a bit. My parents were um, medical missionaries. Um, we moved to Jerusalem, Israel when I was 10 to plant the church there. And, um, and I was actually born in the Midwest. So I feel like I have a lot of the U S covered. You really do. That's amazing. (laughs) Maybe not the Pacific Northwest, I guess, but, um, but I moved to, to Georgia for college. I attended the university of Georgia and I graduated in 2007 with my degree in Latin American and Caribbean studies. And I love Spanish. I love speaking Spanish and eating uh, Latin food and that's where I met my husband as well. And um, he got a job up in Philly and we were dating. And so I moved up there to be near him. And that's where I went into the ministry was in Philadelphia. Um, so, and then I, I decided uh, after being in the ministry for a few years that I wanted to go back to school. And so I got my master's in social work at the University of Pennsylvania in 2013. And wow. as I walked across the stage, I was a few weeks pregnant with our daughter and Aww. we moved that summer. So, oh, yeah. That's so cool. You are like the most interesting woman in the world. <laughs> I'm so impressed. Like, oh my goodness. I like went to Costco once. Like that's kind of what I feel like. <laughs> That's so cool though. I just love all your different experiences. And honestly, it sounds like you've probably interacted with so many different people in so many different, uh, what's the word, like settings 
throughout your life. So no wonder that you've kind of gleaned so much wisdom and, and thoughts on interpersonal communication. Um, I also love that you have a mini golden doodle. We as well do. Um, his name is Shark. And so I feel like our dogs should be like friends on FaceTime or something like that. Um, Agreed. They're so cute and fluffy and wonderful. Um, so they're the best. I know you're going to talk to us about active listening today and I can't wait to hear more. How would you define it? And why do you, why is it so pivotal? Like what, what can the power of active listening be? Do you think? Wow. Uh, that's a great question. I think active listening is so important because I think so often we jump to conclusions Mm. about what people are saying because we hear things through our own filter. Mm -hmm. And so we make assumptions without asking questions first. And I think a lot of misunderstandings in my own life, as well as in other people's lives would be cleared up just simply by listening and Mm -hmm. asking. Mm Mm-hmm. I think that's so true. And it is such an act of love, I feel like, to listen and to try to understand in a way that's going to honor God. Like, I think that's that's really amazing. And like you said, the power of it, like, it was weird when I was thinking about this earlier today. I was like, wouldn't it be amazing, like, to just see a glimpse of what it would be like when if everyone really listened this way? How life-changing that could be for ourselves, for our souls, for our relationships, for our communities, like, wow, there's a lot of power in listening and there's a lot of love in it. So I can't wait to hear more. So please just jump in. And then at the end, I might pop in with some more Q&A because I'm just so excited to talk more. But I'm going to be a good listener first and <laughs> definitely hear what you have to share with us. Uh, so please just jump in and I might I might pop in later. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Mallory. I, again, it's an honor to be able to be here. And, and honestly, I... You know, I've had to learn this the hard way. I am a natural talker. I've always been a big talker, probably always will be a big talker. (laughs) And I cut my husband off mid-sentence because I think I know what he's about to say and I want to speed things along. He, of course, (laughs) loves it when I do this. Um, He has actually helped me to become a much better listener because he is a better listener than me. I also tend to jump to conclusions with my kids when they're trying to communicate with me. And it it really takes me time to stop and pause in my busy day to understand their vantage point and what they're trying to communicate and their worldview, Mm -hmm. because it's different than mine. And if these are the people I live with and I'm with most of my day, and it's this hard to understand them and communicate with them, how much more difficult is it for us to be able to understand people who are from a completely different generation or background um, or even geographic you know, space than us. And I really believe that, you know, the, honestly, the, the, the cure-all, the panacea, I guess, to a lot of our social ills is active listening. Mm. I think mm. that we could cure so much emotional pain that and and things that plague our world simply if we all became active listeners, because at the end of the day, who doesn't want to feel seen and heard and understood? Mm -hmm. And when I think of the biblical precedent for listening, I think of Proverbs. Mm -hmm. The book of Proverbs begins with this. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair, 
for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning and let the discerning get guidance for understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. This passage is so encouraging to me because no matter if you are simple or if you are wise, young or old, rich or poor, you can still add to your learning. Mm -hmm. And there's never a point where we're going to have arrived in that. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that reality is a little hard to swallow. I'll be honest, especially when we're in seasons of learning a lot and we feel a bit exhausted by all that we're learning. But it also gives us hope that we don't have to have it all figured out. And we can view our mistakes and other people's mistakes as opportunities for growth and for better communication and better understanding. Mm. And for me, as a perfectionist who has a hard time with mistakes, it really helps me to reframe my my mistakes and my sin even at times as opportunities. Mm. And I think whether you are a good listener or not, we can all become great listeners if we imitate Solomon's example. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's that's what I want to look at today, actually. If you guys um, you know, have access to a Bible or if you're driving in your car, maybe don't. But uh, in, in 1 Kings, in chapter 10, I want to look at this story of the Queen of Sheba and her visit to King Solomon. So it says in verse one, it says, when the queen of Sheba heard about the fame of Solomon and his relationship to the Lord, she came to test Solomon with hard questions. Arriving at Jerusalem with a very great caravan with camels carrying spices, large quantities of gold and precious stones, she came to Solomon and talked with him about all that she had on her mind. Solomon answered all her questions. Nothing was too hard for the king to explain to her. When the queen of Sheba saw all the wisdom of Solomon and the palace he had built, the food on his table, the seating of his officials, the attending servants in their robes, his cupbearers, and the burnt offerings he made at the temple of the Lord, she was overwhelmed. I just think this is such an incredible story especially because the queen of Sheba was a powerful woman. Mm -hmm. This was a woman who was a leader of her own country. And she came to Solomon with a very specific purpose. And it was not a political purpose. Mm -hmm. It was a spiritual quest. Mm -hmm. And despite the fact that his reputation preceded him and, you know, she had heard about him, his fame had, had reached her land she had the courage to speak up and share. It says all that she had in her mind, how vulnerable as a woman and as a leader, even to put yourself in that position of humility. Mm -hmm. But what I also love is it says that he answered all her questions. He was so patient and apparently he answered them to her satisfaction because at the end of their time, she gifts him with more Uh, spices and precious stones than had ever been gifted to Israel up to that time and gold too. And you you find that out later on in in, uh, verse 10, but I think there's so much that can be gleaned from this passage. And I just have like four quick sub points that I think we can take away and put into practice. So one is come with questions. Mm. 
here is a powerful woman, but she came with specific questions. Mm -hmm. She didn't show up at this appointment unprepared. Mm -hmm. She knew what she had in mind Mm -hmm. and she was a learner. Yeah. She had a learner's heart. And I think for us as followers of Jesus, we need to have learner spirits, no matter our age, our gender, our job, our education level, our socioeconomic status, any other, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, position we, we hold, we need to be eager to ask questions and seek understanding because that's how we learn. Secondly, we got to be honest with what's inside this woman. She did not hold back even though there was probably a power differential between her and Solomon. Mm. And she, she recognized that she had a need and she was going to bring her full self to the table. Mm. She wasn't going to hold back. We need to do the same. We need to bring our full selves to the table. We need to show who we really are. And again, this is independent of our background, Mm. young and old, rich and poor. We got to be real with each other. It doesn't matter what, you know, our ethnic background is or whatever it is that we got to put our, our full authentic self, you know, in our relationships because it's really important for how we understand each other. It's the only way we can really understand each other. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think even with men and women too, this is a very important piece because oftentimes we can be afraid to share our real selves, but she was able to do that. The third point is that we need to accept the test. Solomon accepted the test by listening. Even though he had nothing to prove to her, nor did he need her gifts. He was obviously already very rich. It wasn't like he needed her spices or her gold. <laughs> you know, he had it already, but he he was willing to be tested by her. Mm. And 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 we too accept the test when we put on humility. Yeah. He didn't get threatened by her questions mm-hmm. and react defensively. Like, don't you know who I am? Mm-hmm. You know, don't you, don't you realize who you're asking? Why don't you trust me? Mm-hmm. He recognized that the true test was really about her trust in God. Right. And I think we have to be careful to not let people's genuine questions cause us to be defensive mm. and to feel like they don't trust us. Yeah. And I do think there is a difference between someone who's coming with a questioning, a curiosity versus someone who's questioning to get their point across. Ooh, yeah. Yes. And I think we do need to be careful if, if we are the one coming with questions that we're also coming genuinely mm-hmm. with questions and not to get our way or to, um, or, you know, because we're distrustful too. Yeah. And the the fourth point here is that then we need to invest. The investment was mutual in this passage. He invested his time and she invested her gifts from her kingdom. But for her to invest, Solomon had to first be willing to listen to her and spend time with her. Yeah. He had to to prove himself to her in a way. Hmm. Um, And I think this is really important, especially for those of us who are in positions of leadership in our churches. And whether that's like a small group leader or a ministry person, you know, I think we really need to make sure that we're ministering to people before we expect them to invest their gifts and their time and their energy or skills. Because oftentimes people want to make sure that what they're investing in is worthy of investment. True. 
And we as leaders can't just assume or expect that people are going to invest immediately if we haven't at first built trust in the yeah. relationship. Right. And I think, you know, to be honest, this happened to my husband and myself when we moved eight years ago to our um, church out in State College because we, you know, they really, they hadn't had full-time leadership in two years. And so they were very eager for us to come and to to lead them. But there was a lot of broken trust. There was a lot of hurt there. And we kind of just assumed that there was already trust because we thought they knew our hearts. Right. We thought they want leaders. Certainly, you know, they want us to come in and kind of change things around. And, and I think that it, it did, um, it did hurt us that we didn't, that we assumed there was trust. I think it would have helped if we had taken the time first, just to really listen and hear people out and invest in them before we assumed that they were just going to get behind us. Mm -hmm. And that, and that was something I I wish we would have done differently, but we can now go forward and, and, and do differently. And so I I know for many of you out there who are listening to this, you're probably feeling like, well, this is a great example, but let's talk about real life, right? Like this is the golden standard of a relationship. And in reality, we're often bombarded with negative critical feedback at really inopportune times or, or we're just busy, right? Like taking the time to really draw someone out is like, oh, you know, when do I have time in my day to do that? Right. And I want to share just an illustration from my own personal life about, um, it was a conversation with my daughter that happened and I was in the, in the car with my oldest daughter. We were driving one of our members in our church and uh, my daughter's seven too, just for context. But, um, we were taking our member home from a, a doctor's appointment. And as I was, um, helping her get out of the car, my daughter, right as we pull up to her house, my daughter goes, mom, I have two things to tell you. The first one is you talk too much. And I forgot what the second one is. <laughs> and I honestly just did not know what to do. I, I kind of laughed because I was just taken aback. Mm-hmm. I couldn't believe she had just said that. And mm-hmm. she, she knows, I mean, our member is our friend, so it's not someone she doesn't know. She feels comfortable enough to say that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I kind of quipped back like, okay, well you talk too much too. <laughs> like the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. You know, and, and it was funny because then once our member, you know, she got out of the car and went into her home and we were pulling away and my daughter goes, and sometimes you annoy me. <laughs> she was really bringing it. <laughs> she was. I think she was like, I don't think you heard me, mom. Let me tell you how I really feel. <laughs> And I was dying. And so I started (laughs) laughing again. And I go, well, you know what? Sometimes you annoy me too. Mm -hmm. And that is real. I think in our relationships, our close relationships, that's just the reality. But I think in this situation, here's here's my perspective. And here's maybe some things I could have done differently. So in retrospect, this was a test, right? Like my daughter was totally testing me. And there were three ways I could react. One, I could have disciplined her for yeah. disrespect. She was being a bit on the sassy side mm-hmm. and I could have I could have disciplined her. But I, I didn't feel that in her tone. And so I didn't feel like that was the right option in this situation, I felt. So the second option was I could defend myself, which is what I did, right? Like I jabbed back in a joking, loving way, but I still was kind of like, 
well, if you're going to dish it, I'm going to dish it too. Right, right. And then the third option really to me is I, did, did, I could have drawn out her heart and mm-hmm. asked more questions and said, well, what do you mean that you think I talk too much? How mm-hmm. do you think I talk too much? And so luckily, and, and this is the good new, news for all of us, luckily we can always go back and True. ask more questions. Mm-hmm. And so I did go back um, and I talked to her and I said, well, what did you mean by that? And she was able to explain that she felt like I had been talking too much in the car and that the other woman, our friend, wasn't able to, to share her perspective. And mm. to be honest, I was really convicted. You know, here's my seven-year-old daughter and she is discipling my heart and mm-hmm. she sees this thing in my character. And and so I was able to to tell her that I, I recognize that as an area in my character and I, and I want to do a better job. Mm-hmm. I want to be a better listener. And... Um, it was also a great teaching opportunity though, because then I could explain to her that, you know, the way she brought it up, the fact that it was in front of our friend right. was kind of embarrassing for me and came across kind of disrespectfully to me. And without me, you know, saying anything more, she apologized on her own volition. And it, it was, it really impacted me because it, it made me realize, wow, she understands, yeah, you know, and she's able to take responsibility for herself. Mm-hmm. And and that we can resolve issues oftentimes with honest dialogue yeah. when we take the time to draw out people's hearts rather than defending ourselves. Right. And again, I understand that there are situations that do require discipline. I am not saying that we shouldn't discipline our kids at times or that even in the church setting that discipline, you know, shouldn't happen. There are appropriate times for that. But I think we could resolve issues more um, ahead of time, maybe before they reach that point, if we have honest conversations. And I do think just as my daughter knows me better than most people, because she's with me the most, so too the people around us also probably have the most insight into our characters and usually see the cracks, you know, and rather than seeing that as a threat, it's really an opportunity to learn. Mm. And if we repeatedly react to, to the way negative information is brought forward, honestly, people will get the message that it's just not safe yep. to do that. That's so true. And and we'll miss the kernel of, of truth and of wisdom really that could be gleaned. And are, are we going to miss the opportunity to grow in the character of Christ and in relationships that build up the kingdom just because of the way information is presented I, I hope not. Mm. Now I get that that is so hard and I know that this is a very high standard, but I think here are some practicals that would help us in doing that. Awesome. So there are seven key active listening skills. One is to be attentive. We live in a modern area where there is so much distraction. Oftentimes I have to confess when my kids are talking to me, I'm either on the phone or on my, you know, texting or on my oh, iPad yeah. oh, and I don't even hear them. And my kids are used to having to repeat themselves and they do get frustrated. And yeah. so I really do have to work on just, okay, let me put this down. Let me acknowledge them and look them in the eyes and really listen to what they're saying mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and same with other people and not just my children. Um, Secondly, we need to ask open-ended questions. So that just means refraining from yes or no questions. Like, you know, did I hurt your, did I hurt your feelings would be a yes or no. 
versus how did what I say land on you? Uh, that's good. That, that's a good open-ended question, especially if you've had a tense conversation with yep. someone. That's a great conversation at the end. I think third is asking probing questions. So that would be like digging a little bit deeper. Like, mm -hmm. well, when you said this, what exactly did you mean? Or how do you see that in me? Mm -hmm. Kind of getting more to the heart of what they're trying to say. Because right. oftentimes, even in, in conflict, a lot of people do hold back in conflict. So True. they don't always put everything out there. And so you do kind of have to dig a little bit to get to the heart of what they're trying to communicate. Mm -hmm. The other thing that's really key is requesting clarification. So I'm a little confused by this piece would be right. an example. Can you just give me a little more, help me understand. Mm -hmm. um, I have to do that a lot, especially because I work with college students a lot of times, or, you know, I work with people in other generations. And sometimes the things that they're saying, I'm not sure I'm understanding or right. I'm in their same context, you know? Uh, the other piece is to paraphrase. So paraphrasing is helpful, like to reflect back to the person. So when someone shares something saying, so this is what I hear you saying mm -hmm. and repeat it back to them in your own words. Right. You don't need to repeat exactly what they just yeah. said, but how you understood it. Um, the last, uh, the sixth thing is be attuned to and reflect feelings. So this is really key too, because sometimes people won't say, you know, I felt misunderstood mm -hmm. or I felt um, alone or I felt hurt even, but if right. you can try, if you can try to, to pick up on the feelings or you can, and a way to do that would be to say something along the lines of, I imagine that you felt this way. Is that what you felt? Mm. Um, or I hear you saying that you felt angry or you felt dismissed. Mm -hmm. You know, these are some helpful words. Um, to reflect back to someone. And then lastly, just to summarize, to be able to summarize at the end of the conversation. So here's what I'm taking away from this conversation. Yeah. Is this, is that what you want me to hear? Or is there anything else wow. that I'm missing? And those, those seven, I mean, really, if we did this in our relationships, how many issues would we solve if we took the time to have um, these kinds of conversations. Mm -hmm. Also, just as a general tip, I think the more often we can ask for feedback, the better off things go. And, yes. and again, I think this is important for younger and older people, because I think so often our, our posture is to assume and we don't always know. And, and also to asking for feedback regularly helps prevent people from feeling like they can't bring things up or that then they bring it up at an inopportune time. But if we're welcoming it, then we're prepared for it. And we got to make sure we are actually prepared for it. Right. I've made that mistake as well. Um, but I think um, these are just some things that have been helpful to me. I think in, in particularly tense situations um, or where there's conflict or there's, or even just you're totally caught off guard just having the, the question in your back pocket of, okay, how would you have liked me to have done that differently? And I think that one is super helpful because I know for me, when someone comes at me, or I can feel like they're coming at me. Um, that's not my, that's not my natural reaction. Right. And I, I can want to like poke back at them. And I, I think the other 
uh, yeah, the, that, that's really it. Actually. That's, that's the main thing I think for when in tough situations, everything else I, I already shared. So I think in conclusion, you know, this is challenging stuff. Mm-hmm. I am not, uh, proclaiming to be an expert at this myself. Um, but I do believe that God is equipping us to take his kingdom, you know, to, to deeper places and to, and that we can band together and really hear each other out. And of course, there will be times when we do come to the conclusion after listening to each other that we do disagree. Yeah. And I, I also believe God will direct our steps in those times and that that's okay. And, and I, and I also recognize that the generations have different communication styles, you know, the older generations might communicate in more definitive manners, whereas younger generations like to philosophize and could kind of have ongoing conversations. And so, however, I do think we have so much to learn from each other. And I, and I really also believe that the future of our churches depend upon us being able to really hear each other out and to understand each other. And, and also ultimately to really seek after wisdom the mm-hmm. way that Solomon did. Mm-hmm. So that's all I have to share with you guys. Thank you so much for your time. I hope this was helpful. And uh, I look forward to Q&A time now. Oh, yes. Oh, this is so amazing. Like, I am not overselling this. I think this changes everything. And I love, I don't know, I just love your perspective and and your vulnerability as you're sharing too, because I think this is something we can um, we can get better at. Like, I think before I just thought I'm not a good listener. I think anybody who listens to podcasts know I'm something I'm getting better at because I'm, I'm learning how to ask questions and things like that. But, but there is this part of me that's always think, you know, like I have to fight through just thinking about my own lens and what does this reflect on me or what do I want to say or how do I feel and really open up these communications. So thank you so much. This is wonderful. And I had a couple more questions. Um, I feel like active listening and trying to understand others can be difficult when it doesn't feel reciprocated. Like I can think, uh, like when you were describing some different situations, I was like, this is so like, I think a lot of people listening might be like me. You're thinking of different conversations yeah, or times. Totally. And, um, I think it's way more difficult when it doesn't feel reciprocated. So any input for people out there in those positions, like, um, yeah, just what would you what would you say to those people that feel like, hey, I want to do this, and I maybe I've even tried to do some of this, but it's really hard because I, I feel like I, it's only a one way street. Yeah, that is a excellent question, and I think I would respond with a question, um, which would be, what is the nature or the purpose of the relationship? Mm. So I think if it's a like discipling or mentoring type of relationship then I I think it is a little tricky because sometimes those relationships, at at least initially can start out a little more on the one way side. I don't think it's good if they stay there, Mm -hmm. but I think that that is how it can be initially. And um, I think if it's a friendship that does need to be more of an equally yoked relationship where there's give and take. And I think, you know, I, I, if I would bring it up in the friendship, like, I feel like, you know, I, I want to know more about you, but I don't always feel like there's the same curiosity about my life or my situation. Um, I I do think, you know, for me personally, I, I work with college students a lot and 
it is something I have struggled with because I'm now a mom of three kids. I used to be in like the college student realm. I've been doing campus ministry for 14 years. And so my life wasn't all that different, but now that I've gotten older, my life is very different. And, and I've actually had to express to some of the women that I'm in these like mentoring relationships with that. It means a lot to me when I feel like they give back to me or they ask me how I'm doing and, and care. And it's been so encouraging because I really do feel like they respond to that. And I feel like they want to be there for me, but I think it is a little sometimes, especially when there's an age difference, I think the natural assumption is if you're older, like you have things figured out, you, there's not always the realization that the younger person has something to bring to the table and that, that they can also meet your needs. And so sometimes I think younger women just need to know, like, I really value you, but I also like, I want this to be a two way dynamic relationship. I love that. And I think it it goes back to kind of, you had mentioned earlier of not, not being afraid to bring our authentic selves to the, the relationship. And I think like in those communicate, like communication, there's a, there's a vulnerability I heard that you were expressing too of like, bringing my authentic self and saying, Hey, this is something I'm feeling. Um, and not being, cause for me, I could think I can even totally fall into the assumption pit of like, Oh, they don't want to understand me and thinking that that's like kind of projecting what I think is happening or how they feel instead of just saying, Hey, this is how I feel. Um, can we talk about this or is this true? You know, cause then they have time, then they, I'm giving them the honor and space and respect to speak into that assumption I'm making. Um, and then we can clarify and grow through it together. And I think that's really cool. And I appreciate you bringing that up too. And there are different relationships. I think we have to be mindful of that as well, the dynamics and, and I'm glad you mentioned that as well. Cause I think that can be important too. And not having unrealistic, I have to manage my expectations. Do you know what I mean? Like not everybody's yeah, going to want to know sure. me the same way. I want. And that's okay. I have to respect that and be okay with that. But at the end of the day, I think it's great and important that I'm honoring God with, with my heart and not just doing it based on, okay, is the other person going to reciprocate this or not? Um, it's more important who I am before God and communicating and trying to understand and gain wisdom regardless of how the other person is. I mean, it's much easier when it's reciprocated. For sure. So that's the goal. But, you know, it's not always like that. And I think we have to adjust and, you know, be okay with that sometimes. Um, you also mentioned how we approach conversations um, and you use the word curiosity. And I think there's a big difference um, that posture makes, like how we approach these things. And I do think we have to kind of check our assumptions, like I just mentioned, but I was just going to see if you had any more thoughts on this idea of approaching with curiosity versus skepticism. I'm really interested in even like the physiological aspects of this, like how our bodies, like when we're, mm-hmm. when we're in a state of skepticism, like we kind of get more adrenaline, like we're more defensive versus curiosity. It's more dopamine. Like we're happy. We want to hear more. We want to, it's like, we're, we feel like we're in that learning space. Do you have any thoughts on what we can do to help frame our mindset? Maybe before we even have these conversations, like kind of what can get us into that position so that that's how we're approaching them? Mm -hmm. That's a really good question too. I think we have to start with assuming the best Mm. and I think that if when we don't start there, we do go into conversations kind of already ready for battle. Yeah. And that just doesn't set anybody up well. Mm -hmm. And, and not everything needs to be a fight. Right. I think that when we can 
Yeah. I also, I love what you said in terms of like the dopamine perspective and, and the adrenaline perspective, because I, I know for me, when I am going into a conflictual conversation, I can feel very anxious. Like mm-hmm. there's a pit in my stomach, you know, my throat is tight. I usually don't sleep well the night before. Yep. I'm ruminating on it. It's yep. circling in my mind. And I think I have to, it's taken me, it's taken me a long time to realize this, but anxiety is something we experience in our bodies. And so we have to be aware that if we have these symptoms that we're anxious, and so we've got to take it to God in prayer and, and ultimately like let it go. Because mm-hmm. usually it's me trying to control the outcome yep. of the conversation instead of let me come into this with surrendered. Right. You know, and trusting God has my best interest in mind. He has their best interest in mind. And ultimately we're all answerable to God. Right. And so I think when I when I can get to a place of surrender, I am happier. Mm-hmm. And I am more at peace. And then I think I'm able to approach these conversations with much more understanding. And, and I also think it's important timing with these kinds of things is also important. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, even this morning, my husband, I, I was going to have kind of a tense conversation with someone, but I had kind of a tense morning. And my husband was like, I wouldn't do that today after the morning you've had, I would wait a day because it just won't go well. And I think that that was really important for me to hear. So I think just taking time to, to approach it. Right. And I, I mean, I'm just hearing you saying there's a lot of intentionality. Like there is, we, there, there is thinking and planning and praying involved leading up to these things. Cause I think, um, I don't know, that just changes everything. I really believe that. Um, well, this was wonderful. I am so grateful. I have one last question. Um, yeah. I love this scripture. I just recently posted it on some of our content stuff online on our social media, but it's in Philippians two, uh, verse three, but it's the, the passion version. And it says, be free from pride filled opinions for they will only Ooh. harm your cherished unity. Don't oh allow, I know, wow. sorry, this is not like a really encouraging one to land on, but it, you know, and then it says, don't allow self-promotion to hide in your hearts, but in authentic humility, put others first and view others as more important than yourselves. And I've just was thinking about, I wanted to ask you personally, I don't know if the goal of active listening for Christians at least is to understand. I think that's definitely part of it, but I think it's deeper than that. I think the big, the big thing here is to make sure that my goal in these communications because God puts us he's relational he puts us in relationships you know is but the goal is to honor God and really love and honor the other person from that posture so um I don't know for me I just have to something that's been popping up a lot I think it's the spirit is that honoring God should be more important to me than feeling heard um but then I also feel like okay but I also need to validate my experience and feelings but I just wanted to ask you like what do you feel like is the goal of active listening? Like what can we kind of like put before us and what's the vision that you would want to cast for us as we're considering these things or wherever we're at in this process? Um, yeah. What would you, Mm. what would you say is the goal here? Yeah, that is such a great question. And I really think the goal is unity Mm -hmm. and we live, I mean, this last year has only highlighted Right. the division that already existed in our world. Right. But I think, and, and the hurt and pain and that pain is valid. I mean, that the, the racial injustice, um, gender, you know, differences mm-hmm. and kind of wanting, and, and in some ways 
you know, oppression, right? right. Like right. there is, that's a reality in the world we live in. Um, however, I do think that for us to even embark on these types of issues, it it does have to become out with humility to really, if we really want to see change and we want to see progress, the process is equally as important to right. me. And, and, and I see that that's, that's what works. I know for my own personal heart, I loved that, that um, translation, you know, that the scripture in the NIV says selfish ambition, right? Get rid of all, um, you know, in vain conceit and, and so, you know, that self aggrandizement or what is it? Grandizement. Um, but I know for myself, I can oftentimes, even in the vein of fighting for oppression or fighting inequality, I am, I'm still thinking about myself and Mm. how I look Mm. and, and I think we can sometimes even do the right thing with the wrong motives and the right. wrong heart. And right. so I think we really, the goal is to build up the church. Yeah. The goal is to build up God's kingdom. And I think about Ephesians four, you know, that every supporting ligament joins together. Mm-hmm. And, and to me that, that is the, the goal of active listening within the body of Christ mm-hmm. is that we would we would band together just as the body bands together. And there takes, it takes a lot of communication in our body, even between like our neurons and everything else. I'm right. not a science person, but for, for one simple mo- movement in the same way, how much more in the body of Christ does it take banding together and really seeking to understand each other so that we can move forward so that we mm-hmm. can live out God's purpose on earth. Right. right. And that's what I see is the, is the vision for, for active listening. I love that. I have goosebumps. It's like so inspiring. I'm like, no, this is so amazing and encouraging. And I love kind of that vision, especially after it's been a while and I've seen a lot of conflict and I've, I'm kind of absorbing that too, you know? Um, and I just think, wow, like how cool that God has a plan. And when we honor God and listen and learn and grow, like, it matters, you know, even, you know, no matter what other people are doing, like before God that matters and he's working and his spirit's working in us and we can kind of invite him in to work more when we're in these postures. So thank you so much for casting that vision. I think that's encouraging and, and amazing and, and honestly a little bit countercultural sometimes, you know what I mean? Like, I think that's where we're a little upstream here in some of these areas, but wow, God is doing something and I want to be a part of it. So Lauren, thank you so much for sharing with us and your time and your, your brain is amazing and I love your heart. Obviously, you're so spiritual and I so appreciate your relationship with God and the way you um, just integrate that into every aspect of your life and your relationship. So thank you for sharing that with us and spending some time. Well, thank you so much for having me, Mallory. I really do feel, I just feel grateful. I feel like this helps me just being on here. So thank you for, for this time. And it's been a pleasure getting to know you better. Of course, of course. And everybody else who listened today, thank you for listening to us and spending some time with us. We really hope that it encourages you, refreshes your perspective and helps some of your relationships, maybe even today, maybe this week. Um, but I really um, hope that you take some time to think about this and pray through it because I think God is going to do some awesome things in our lives and relationships. We will catch you next time on the podcast. Have a great one. We are one.